Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Independent Life Podcast. Oh, man, I just had the greatest conversation with Cheryl Russell. She is amazing. So Cheryl, on this interview, goes into what it was like to discover that she had a disability, what it's like to be a parent with a disability, and the real meat and potatoes, if that isn't already good enough, is the main course, what she's doing in terms of service. She's this amazing uh, advocate for parents and students who have disabilities within the school system, what they call an IEP advocate, Individualized Education Plan. And she helps parents, guardians uh, of students with disabilities prepare for an IEP program, which is available for people, for students who have disabilities, you know, and helps to you know, orient them about what are these IEP plans all about, what to know going in, what to do when you're in an IEP meeting, what to do afterwards, follow up, will accompany them in it. Such an important part of growing up with a disability, getting through the education system, making sure that you know, students have all the resources necessary to, to be successful academically and beyond. She does a lot of amazing work in this area. She gives real skills and knowledge that successful in these IEP meetings, a must-listen to for, for any parent or guardian that uh, has a son or daughter that uh, has a disability and has an IEP plan. So must listen to there. And she talks about the Disability Resource Fair, a fourth annual one that's held here locally in Gainesville. This is an amazing expo. It's an expo in which it has a day event. So this year it's going to be February 4th, 2023 at Trinity Church. We're linking up in the show notes the address for it from 11 to 3. And it's a multifaceted expo. So it has dozens of community-based organizations, public agencies, private businesses, faith-based organizations that have all different kinds of resources for people with disabilities and their families from infants to seniors. And it's going to have free screenings, vision, auditory, education. And this year she's doing physical screenings, whether it's, you know, blood glucose for diabetes, um, blood pressure, um, they're going to be providing the COVID vaccine and the seasonal flu vaccine, which this time of year, uh, you know, I hope everybody's getting vaccinated. And she's going to have our one and only board president here at the Center for Independent Living doing a keynote speech. She's within uh, Latchville County Public Schools as a, a, an administrator for exceptional student education. Dr. Lori Lynn Bowie, they're presenting and fielding questions from people all kinds of games and activities and fun things for kids and youth to do while they're there at this event. Going to have a food truck there. It's just amazing. Like it started out the first annual, uh, started out with around 500. It quickly, within a couple of years, grew to 1,500. It's the first time they've been doing it uh, since COVID. So they're, they're coming back strong. Three years since the last time that they did it. It's just amazing. She gets into the great things that are offered at the expo, but we also get into like, you know, how did this expo start? And it was started through this grassroots, you know, with her and some very important people within her life who were finding the need to bring all these resources together underneath one roof to really plant the seeds for people to network, collaborate, get together, come up and solve problems that people see in the community. 
This thing is very organic and driven by people who are needing these resources and just asking themselves the important question that she poses here in our podcast, one that I think all of us need to be asking each and every day, how can we serve? And she goes into what inspires her to serve, what she's learning through the service that she's been able to just you know give to the community. And she's wonderful. She's animated. She's just uh, an incredible person that I've learned a lot from uh, going into this interview, learned a lot from having this conversation with her. And I know you will too. She's so inspiring. If, uh, you know, if anything, uh, a big takeaway from this is that we all have something to offer the world, and it's up to us to to offer that and to receive it from others, the things that we need in our life. And that, you know, we can have unity through disability. Enjoy Cheryl Russell. Welcome to the Independent Life Podcast. I've been wanting to have Cheryl Russell on here since we really started this podcast. I have like what I call the A-list, like people I've always wanted to get on. So I'm so excited for you to join us today, Cheryl. Hi, thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's a, it's an honor. So so other people that might not be aware of who you are, like I, like I am of you, um, maybe you can help tell us a little bit about your story how you came into the world of disability and you know how that was entering into it um it starts many many years ago uh disability has been a part of my life personally with myself before i even knew (laughs) that disability was part of Uh my life um and also with family members growing up um, and then eventually a parent Uh uh, to a child that was born right away with medical disabilities and it just expanded from there Uh Um, so there's been a multitude of different experiences that brought me to where I'm at now. Wow. And you, you said it started with yourself? Yes. Um, so I always knew that there were certain things like about me, my body working differently in certain ways um, that showed up later to know what that was because as I got older, those things that were um, caused me problems when I was younger, <laughs> more like I was klutzy and things like that and didn't know, had trouble with vertigo and different types of issues, Uh um, those medical things come up later because I guess, you know, when I was younger, people didn't know a lot about this stuff, Uh but eventually diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome as well as POTS Uh and um, explained a lot (laughs) of those type things like why I kept getting sprained ankles or I would dislocate things or run into walls (laughs) because of vertigo. So so before you got diagnosed, like what was your assumption or the assumption of other people about what was going on with you? I just thought honestly that this is how it is for people in the world i thought you know i just happened to be a klutzy person i didn't really think anything of it until later the the symptoms that i had was actually causing um problems with my body like damage so later i would start having pain Uh and then i would start learning about it and realizing not everybody has this or Uh does this and should not be feeling this amount of pain you know later in life so that came later and how was that like coming to that realization for you? Like uh, going from like, this is just normal uh, to, to like, oh, other people aren't experiencing um, this. This could be 
a disability or a disorder. Right. How was that? Explain that. If you can. It wasn't too odd because disability was in my family already. Um, my uh -huh. father and my sister were both uh, born with arthritis. Uh -huh. Born with arthritis? Yeah, and okay. they were both diagnosed at very young ages. Oh. Um, my son was too, later down the road. Um, he was also born with arthritis and diagnosed at a young age. So obviously this runs, you know, certain things run in my family. Um, but I saw things that were happening to them that were obviously more pronounced for them when they were younger. For me, it was when I was older. Okay. Um, so the idea of having a disability in my body, having these type things wasn't too odd because I came from a family with genetics that had, right. you know, different types of disabilities. And um, there were other factors too. Like I had trouble sometimes socially. Uh -huh. um, I was always that person was like, oh, you get explained like, that's just Cheryl, you know, kind of uh, waving uh, away uh, of how I like was Like a acting. personality kind or of thing. what I said, yeah, yeah I was always yeah. that person or, yeah. you know, called the oddball or, you know, different things like that. Uh -huh. um, and I would have trouble making, I would say, really close connections with people sometimes until yeah. I found people like me. All right, <laughs> all right. You're not alone. Yeah. yeah. So I would have those type of things going on. Didn't know then that it was because my brain worked differently. Uh -huh. Turned out, I, I realized later that I was also autistic. Okay. Um, I have since been screened as an adult in my early 40s um, and diagnosed and that came about because I saw it in my own son. Oh, man. So after All becoming right. a mom and then meeting other adults and realizing that the people that I connect to happen to have diagnosis of autism or ADHD uh -huh. or, you know, variety of things. Uh -huh. And all these uh, things just come together and click and it makes sense. And it, it just gives you reasons as to, or as to say, explanations to things, yeah. you know. So, so what what was it like then to to come to the realization that you have autism so later you know in life you said in your 40s I came to the realization probably started questioning it late 30s um, okay but really early 40s I was right. diagnosed when I was 43 okay um, so so yeah it was definitely 40s it was um I wouldn't say that there was a period of you know questioning of how could this be? It was more like, is that really what's going on? Is this for sure? I mean, uh -huh. I knew that there was something different, and, and, it, and it made sense. Um, so it's really coming to terms that that is what it is. Um, uh -huh. Not that I had a problem with it or anything. Um, but it was, honestly, I liked that I got the diagnosis because it gave me answers. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's clarity. There was something yeah. that was different, and it, it helped. It really kind of just yep. opened up windows for me. Yeah. It made sense. It, it actually gave me a little of, um, what's the word? Uh, peace. Oh, know? peace is a great thing to have. Yeah. And, so. and clarity brings peace. You know? Yes. Like, you can be clear yes. that, like, okay, this does explain yes. things. Now, was it... Um, was it difficult for you? Like you were saying, like, you know, um, you know, it was hard for you to connect in a meaningful or deep way mm -hmm. at times with certain people. Mm -hmm. Was that ever stressful for you? Like, or was it, so, hey, whatever, I, I do my own thing? Or, very or, much so. It was so very stressful. Okay. I actually got extremely good at masking. And I didn't know then that that's what I was doing. Uh, um, I became not myself. Oh, so yeah. what I portrayed to other people was a different version of me. I became what everybody else wanted to see. 
So that's why the diagnosis is helpful because, and I'm still working on that. It takes time. I'm just kind of like pulling away from that mask and being more yourself. I had very few people in my life that I felt like I could truly be me and be accepted at that time. Uh And and actually, I believe now that that's not the case. That's how I saw it because of my experiences. Uh More people are more accepting than what I was, you know, thinking. Um, But it was really uh, eye-opening to how much I kind of tucked away myself and how exhausting. I can't even explain how exhausting it is. It's almost like I was always acting. Right? That is exhausting, (laughs) you know, not being your true self And some people say that, you know, we all do that when we go to work or in certain situations. We're all in these roles we play. But to an extent, we are. But not to the extent you are when you're somebody who's autistic or it's, it's still very difference it is exhausting it, it is i it's, think a lot of us not to the level maybe you're talking about mm-hmm. can relate about not being our true selves mm-hmm. and 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 that is like just doesn't feel good like mm-hmm. you know this is who i am mm-hmm. yet i'm pretending to be someone i'm not mm-hmm. perhaps even for social approval mm-hmm. or just to fly under the radar yep. and that is like this doesn't yep. feel good inauthentic yeah. you know it betraying ourselves is. and yeah. it's, it's not good because I truly feel that we have all these differences to make a difference in the world and evolve. We need, yeah. a, and I don't mean we need everybody to be autistic. We need a variety of people. Oh, yeah. And Amen. and that's important, and that is a good thing. I right. mean, it, the world has to have this. And um, yeah. when you've got autistic people being told, no, you have to be trained and you have to act this way, and this sure. is not how you respond to this, this is how you respond. Yeah. Yeah. Part of it is you're taking that person and making them feel like... What's wrong with me? They, yeah, yeah, they can't be themselves. And, and, you know, think of how exhausting it is to go through the day and just do your normal stuff being yourself. Right. Now add on that another layer of you can't be you. You also have to constantly think of every movement you make, sounds you make, uh, what you say, everything that you do. You know, it, it's it's a lot. And it's beyond of, you know, using the right words or anything. It, yeah. There's more to it than that. It's like your way of being, you know, somebody described like, well, we all go like when you go to work, you don't use curse words and things, you know, Uh it's not like that. It's not that I'm just not, you know, I'm literally thinking of how will they take this, you know, or this words I use or um, the way I see something. Right. You know, it's usually out there. And a lot of autistic people, we tend to have conversations, you know, kids when they're younger, they have parallel play. Yeah. And they play next to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So an autistic person relates oftentimes in conversations with other people. You'll say something, and then I might say something completely different. It seems like it's not on subject, but it is in my brain because I got there from you. So, you know, expressing those thoughts and those ideas in my head of how did I get from what you said to what I'm saying? Uh, How are they connected? Yeah. You know, we just take in information and give out information differently. We process things differently. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so so as you're saying this, like one of the things that jumps out to me is uh, there's a lot like we've talked about this on the podcast and, mm-hmm. and, and certainly on, and a lot of the disability circles that I uh, you know speak with people about. We talk a lot about like identity, mm-hmm. like who do we think we are? Like, who am I? Like I find to be a very profound, profound question. I continually learning more about myself and everything right. else like that. So as you're sharing all of this, like how has that impacted your self-identity and who Cheryl mm-hmm. is? It's really hard because um, for more than one reason, I'm trying to unpack what what is me versus what was 
what everybody else saw me as. You like, got to strip that away. That's a lot of work. But I also believe that we're all we're always changing. Right. So who we are yeah. this year might not be right. the same person next year or 10 years from now. Absolutely. We go through so many different experiences yeah. and life changes that affect who we are as a person and, yeah. and also how we respond to things or That's right. even how, how what we believe and what we, you know, sure. think. So so it's it's a lot to take in. Um yeah. It's still a process that I'm very much. I, I don't think on. it ever ends. <laughs> like, like I, I, no. I, I religiously ask myself, "Who am I?" Yeah. I think that's just such a profound question. And the more you learn, yeah. the more it changes the way you know you think about who you are and and what's important to you and yeah yeah and like like why are we here you know and and what is my role in yeah. the in this world yeah like those are very important questions yeah. Yeah. So talk then maybe a little bit about your, so you have your, you know, entry into the world of disability through Mm -hmm. your own personal experience. Mm -hmm. And and, and, and there's so much there, even more we could even get into. Yes. But also (laughs) being a parent. Yes. And and we've had many people on the the, the podcast too that, you know, are parents of, you know, children, sons, daughters Mm -hmm. with disabilities. Talk to us about what what it was like entering into that and the, the, the journey that you've been on there. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah. uh, my son is now 15, okay. so um, we've had some time here. Um, it was kind of a surprise because uh, besides the few little things I've mentioned, uh, disability wasn't impacting my life that much at that point. I had a um, healthy pregnancy, everything went fine, and then I have a son that literally the day he is born is taken to the NICU due to medical complications. Uh-huh. Um, and then it just went from there, like diagnosis after diagnosis um, kept happening. And, um, and soon after his birth, I start having more disabilities. I actually, some autoimmune things switched on for me. So I became more impacted by disability myself too after I have my son. So both going through a world of becoming a new mom uh-huh. Becoming to a mom to a child with disabilities, and becoming disabled myself to the point that it's impacting my ability to be a mom and life. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. is the best way to put it. So having to go through all that at once That's was um, a very geez. interesting thing. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I still did not. I knew that I was different and responding to the world differently because my experiences, the way they were, constantly questioning right. myself. I still didn't have a diagnosis of autism at that point. Okay. So I will tell you, as an autistic person, um, dealing with uh, the medical and healthcare is interesting uh-huh. because the way that you experience the world in your body is different too. So pregnancy, I had lots of things that were different. Uh-huh. And, um, the way I felt things, it was just—it's just interesting trying to to um, get help when people think. Gosh, that's really weird. We don't normally have people who have these things, oh, you know. Oh gosh, yeah. So especially like sensory-wise, those uh-huh. type of things. Um, but uh, it was really interesting. Um, I would say that there were times that I felt very uh, alone, not knowing where to go um, sure. and what to do. Yeah. I never felt like it wasn't a feeling of why me or things like that. I mean, disability happens. I don't look at it that way. Uh-huh. Um, it was more of what do I need and where can I go and how can I get help for him? Very practical. Yes. And yeah. having, um, and to advocate because I will tell you, like, for instance, with, I told you he has arthritis. He was diagnosed age five. I knew around two that there was something going on and it uh-huh. took that long to get a doctor to screen him. So wow. he had years of, I don't know how much you know about arthritis, but it causes um, damage permanently to your body. 
There is no going back and restoring uh -huh. it. That long of him being in pain and saying things like, my legs are noodly, uh -huh. and, you know, and this is a kid with, <laughs> he has ADHD too, that literally would be bouncing off the walls and suddenly I can't move, my legs hurt. Uh -huh. um, and they would just tell me things like, oh, you're a worrisome mom and you're a helicopter mom and this really? and that. Oh, it's just wow. constant all the time. Or you're just tired. You're a new mom. You don't know like what kids are. I have a degree in early childhood education. <laughs> Before I was a mom, I was wow. directing preschool. Right. <laughs> I yeah. knew what yeah. stages yeah. of children and <laughs> so oh boy. yeah, it was pretty wow. frustrating. Yeah. Um, but it took that long to get the diagnosis and then immediately like, okay, we need to treatment and this and that. Uh, but it took changing doctors and everything. So it's it's a constant battle with parents that have kids with disabilities because there's that line of getting that help and where to go and getting people to listen to you and not sound like you're, you know, seeking attention and all. Right. It, that's not what this is parents parents want their kids to have help absolutely you know and so you need support and, and it wasn't just healthcare. i had family members that would treat me that way too for real yeah right. so it's 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 interesting especially when you're a first-time mom yeah. so many times being told you're a new mom you're a new mom you're just tired you're not getting enough sleep wow yeah went through that for my own diagnosis as well <laughs> wow yeah so a lot of this experience with your with yourself and with your son mm -hmm. as you're you're navigating and, and asking very important and practical questions and mm -hmm. you know getting the feedback that you're getting and switching new things and new you know finding out new resources and, and, and this very important approach, I'd imagine has led you to what you're doing today. <laughs> yes. Okay. So how has this been a preset for some of the things that you're doing today? And this is where I want to start getting into. Right. What you're doing with the Disability Resource Fair, mm -hmm. your uh, role as an as an advocate mm -hmm. at IEP meetings with sure. you know parents and students with disabilities and teachers and all mm -hmm. these other kind of things. So, how has this led you into like this amazing work that you're now doing? So, mainly it's because I I'm one of those people I always search for answers. I read a lot, ask a lot of questions, and just process all this. So. I got very knowledgeable about particular things and and how to get help. So it was not just, you know, where resources were um, and who to ask for help, but also how to, uh, how to navigate that, how to speak to healthcare providers, which is, is, is an interesting trick because communication isn't something I'm always amazing at with people because I tend to sometimes be different about it. <laughs> I, uh -huh. I get taken as very blunt and, sure. too, you know, you know, too, too, I guess you could say harsh sometimes. Uh -huh. And I'm just basically being honest and asking Open, straightforward questions. Yeah. But, um, so I got really good at that. And I, and, and I started just naturally, I would have friends who would say things I'd start helping them. And, and, and it just kept kind of like, you know, have you considered doing this? So I eventually got uh, certificated through, uh, I'm trying to think of her name. Her name is Pam Linderman. She does, she's the IEP advocate out of Orlando. Okay. So she has an advocacy program, but she also trains people and teaches them about IEPs and 504s. Okay. My son at this time was in private school, mostly because he's also immune deficient. Uh -huh. He needs a small environment but we did start off in a public school setting and okay. our experiences with that was tough yeah it was rough i mean i had the ability to pull him and put him somewhere but not everybody has that option sure and um and there's that balance there there are things that public schools can do to help whereas private schools can't it's, it's finding what's the best situation for your child and what you you can feasibly do yeah 
Um, but a lot of the parents don't have choices. Public schools where they're at, even if their child needs something else. Uh-huh. So I learned how to navigate that. I learned a lot about the the laws and the regulations under IDEA. You uh-huh. know the the yeah. laws that help public schools what they're supposed to follow in order to have sco- students with disabilities mm-hmm. and serve these students. Um, but I also use my ability that I've learned to work with others, to work as a team. So I was getting really good at being able to communicate with people who are the ones implementing these processes in the schools. I didn't have that with my son. Okay. <laughs> so I was, I was getting good at it with helping others. So I just naturally moved into that. Wow. I and love that, how organic that seemed to be yeah. for you. Like working, like you said, like yeah. with people you would get to meet, get to know, communicate with them. Then working with the professionals themselves to be able to communicate. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a lot of communication. Like you, you're knocking yourself a little bit, so like much. as far as like, well, you know, I'm not the best communicator, but you're very articulate. I've gotten and, much better. And, and it, I love uh, communication, such an art and it's a mm-hmm. science and it's this wonderful, mm-hmm. you know, medium that we have to be able to share mm-hmm. ideas and, and advocate and do all of these other kind of things. So, how did you find your way into communicating better w- with people to be able to get practice, your messages across? Is practice, your practice, practice, practice. Um, yeah. It's kind of like with that thing where I got really good at masking. It's kind of meshing a little bit of the two. Uh, um, as you can see, you know, others can't see me, but I, I talk with my hands. I talk with my hands. Yeah, head. body language. I'm, a, yeah. I'm very much a animated. mobile communicator and yeah. animated. Yeah. I have to move in order for my brain to work. And it's, it's interesting because yeah. I didn't realize that. That's actually something my son told me with his uh, ADHD. He told me one day because he's jumping on trampoline and reading i'm like how are you doing that he has to move to absorb information and retain it really yes kinesthetic yes which obviously makes school very difficult especially now that he's in high school (laughs) they don't want you moving (laughs) but um but yeah yeah, so i had learned um i became more mobile in my movement because that helped me focus my brain more so i could communicate better Uh uh-huh so instead of doing the thing where most people expect you to kind of be still and calm in conversation, yeah. I just let myself go yeah, yeah. because that allowed me to communicate better. Gotcha. Um, so that was one way I learned to be able to get communication across. Um, I also very much learned from trial and error certain words you don't use and you right. do use, things that just kind of shut people down versus what gets people moving. Open up, yeah. And I got much better. This is the key that I tell everybody. Take the thing that you want to know and form everything into a question. Ah, questions are good. Don't make statements. Yeah. So even like when you're in IEP meetings and you want to see things happen, when they say, well, this is what we do, ask them why. Yeah. Or if you have something you want to bring up as an idea, instead of saying, well, you know, let's do this, say, could, is this something that would work? You know, you form it as a question because you want something open that they have to answer that's not yes or no. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So Asking <laughs> questions is great. Like, you know, if they're doing something that you might not agree with, like, help me understand, mm-hmm. you know, where you're coming from with this approach or mm-hmm. like, yeah, asking questions. Yeah. Are, are and that was a hard one for me because I tend to already know what I want and right. where I want to go with something because yeah. I've already researched it like crazy and I know what needs to happen. Sure. You know, at least in my brain, I know what needs to happen and what I need to do. Um, that doesn't mean that they don't have a better idea. I'm just thinking that way. Yeah. I had to really change my mindset and how I approached people and how I communicated. And it, it took a lot of practice to get there. And well, it's easier when yeah. I'm doing it for somebody else than it is for myself too. Ah, interesting. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it becomes more personal, when it's just and you know, if you I, strip the emotion out, which is hard for me, yeah, because I'm emotional sure. about everything. Sure, but, sure, sure. Even with other it's people, it's easier yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, you can't do this and not yeah. be an emotional person, right? So, yeah. um, but it's much easier when it's not for my kid or for myself. And, and then I imagine, like you said, you got formal training, mm-hmm. you know, with an IEP advocate. Mm-hmm. So knowing the language and the words and the jargon, right, that, mm-hmm. that are used within the schools and perhaps mm-hmm. teaching the, some of the parents and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, like this is a word that's commonly used and, yep. and saying the, this vocabulary. It's almost like coming up with a new language, right? And that's one of the things I teach parents is that, you know, just learning a little bit and some of those key things yeah. makes you sound knowledgeable because yeah. I tell them that's exactly what the people sitting across from you are doing too because no one knows IDA in and out no one individuals disability education act yes Yes. and every single child is an individual and have different needs so not every situation is the same and can be resolved in the same way so keep in mind that when they're talking and they sound like they know so much more than you do it's really not that much more. They sound. They're just using different words than usually. Like yeah, it. yeah. It's jargon. So that's why yeah. those questions are important, and yeah. just respect that you both have uh, more knowledge in certain areas more than the other. Like you know your child. More Experiential. Than you do. Yeah. You know, so you know, learning a little bit can go a long, long way, and just having that confidence. Well, and, and I like your approach there because for me, it's like you know, the, who's the expert in the room? It's the parent. It's the st- you know person with the Honestly, disability. It's the child. Yeah, yeah it's, the it's, a, it's, a, it's the one with the lived experience, <laughs> yeah, and everybody else is is supposed to be learning. You know, yep. it's kind of like I think what we were talking about one time is like, you know, the, ideally it's the schools that are going to cater and tailor their approach to the students versus mm-hmm. students being expected to, you know, tailor to them, you know, yes. conform to the school. You know, yes, that's ideally. Backwards. But it's yeah. also very difficult for schools to do. And I have it's hard when you're so charged much respect with what they are. the people in yeah. those positions because, you know, they're the funding, the support, they're yeah. shorthanded. You know, you don't come in in mind with those as reasons not to support the student. Right. But you come in as those are reasons why you have to brainstorm and figure out what can be done. Yeah. Because, I mean, honestly, with the things that I do know with, um, you know, what you can do with IEPs and 504s and by laws of, like, and I'm not a lawyer, I always said <laughs> by yeah. laws and the regulations of what they should be doing, in reality, that cannot always be done. Because, yeah. you know, first of all, it might take time to get those in place. Like, say, for instance, they need a para. It may ta- make time for them to get approval for funding and get that person in and find somebody good for them and hire them. Right, and, match. Yeah. You know, you can't just snap your fingers and just make those happen so sometimes there's other things you got to try while you're waiting for that or things you got to try because you know in reality it's hard for schools to do um so it's that balance of talking to them you know this is what my child needs Uh what can you do how can we get to this how can we work our way there what what on your end can you do right now without us having to bring someone else in or something you know that's that's the key working with what you got to work as a team yeah you know, because those people in that room, they want to be there for your kid too, but there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that they got to make happen to do what is needed. It's a system. Yes.
to, to frame the kind of, I guess, what we're talking about here was we're going in on your IEP, Individuals Education Plan, work that you do as an advocate. You're there to accompany parents, uh, you know, if they want to have you along with their student mm-hmm. or their son or daughter. Or prep them themselves. Or prep them ahead of time out of these meetings. So be in the meeting before the meeting, after mm-hmm. the meeting, debrief how things are going. Like yep. you're, you're there to support. And mm-hmm. from what I'm hearing uh, from you is like it's important to – to kind of know the language that's being used, you know, the purpose of these IEPs, the idea, mm-hmm. you know, the idea, you know, Individual Disability Education Act, kind of, mm-hmm. kind of like have some, have some knowledge of that, mm-hmm. know how to communicate, not just the jargon that's used, but just ask questions. Yep. Instead of going in there, Everything you know, telling them, asking, and and those kind of things, and also kind of I guess like understanding like the situation that they're in, the way you framed it is like these schools, these people that are in the schools. Mm-hmm. They're, they're wanting to do the right thing, but they're also, some things are out of their control. They work within a system, have a certain mm-hmm. amount of resources. Mm-hmm. Things may take time. They need what can they work themselves with? to make it happen. <laughs> it's so yeah. true. Especially <laughs> nowadays, right? Yes. Like since COVID, like it's amazing. I it's, got friends in the hard. school system and they're just like, it it's is the most hard. challenging they've ever been. And these are career people. Yes, been it's hard. For decades. And I try to tell people, it's like, they're not your enemy. They're on your side. Yeah. You know, this is not a us, them, or you them it's definitely a we and you got to keep that way once you start getting that frame of mind that it's me against them right that's what it becomes and stays and you're you've broken that line of communication and trust so if you don't trust them then you need to find something else for your child because it's not going to happen you know you're not going to be able to make that just happen (laughs) yeah yeah it becomes adversarial yeah Yeah. and i and i can see how it gets that way like you um, you know i've seen it I've seen it, you know, in schools, but I also seen it, you know, working here at a center, you know, in housing or uh, healthcare mm-hmm. or transportation, mm-hmm. where, um, yeah, it could be like a one-off person that's in it and, it and is burned out and is not there for the right reasons. But for the most part, in all all of these systems, mm-hmm. I find that people are in there for the really good reasons, have a yep. big heart, but are like trapped in a system. Gotta connect with them. And I don't know if it's like, um, you know, people like, and I'll, I'll speak for myself too. Like I, I might be frustrated that things aren't working. Right. It makes it almost maybe easier for me to take out my frustrations on a system or people and just say like, oh yeah, okay, it's me against them. Right. Versus like, you know, hey, you know, this is mm-hmm. this isn't like a, a personal thing. Yeah. It's just that like, the you know, we don't live in the idealized world yet mm-hmm. that we would want to make it easier for people. Um, and I almost have to overcome my own ego mm-hmm. in order to like say that like, OK, look, this isn't, you know, this. Let's yep. back up. Let's let's get everybody united mm-hmm. uh, and everybody's on the same team. And so how do you do that yourself? Because well, I, I, I can understand how people might that's see why it like that, that. Questions come in, too, because yeah. you automatically have this notion from your own experiences, whatever it is that's going on that. You feel they're not doing right for you or not making happen yeah. or like they're not there helping you. There's stuff going on with them that you don't know. And that's where those questions come uh, in that are important again. Instead of just making those assumptions, you know, you have to set everything aside. Because uh-huh. sometimes your assumptions are right, but sometimes they're not. Sure. A lot of times I find they're not. Yeah. So you have to set those aside and ask them, could you explain to me why this particular thing isn't happening? Or, uh-huh. you know, whatever that situation may be. And you'll hear from them. And usually they have really good reasons as, or the other thing happens, they can't come up with a good reason. They're like, I need to be doing this. Ah, Why am I not making this happen? Light bulb goes off. Ah. So usually those are the scenarios that come up. Uh Um, So it's just taking a breath, stepping back. Yeah. And it's it's that whole saying of trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Right. 
yeah. empathy. Like, how can we have empathy, <laughs> yes. you know, yeah. for other people? So yeah. those are kind of, those are the things that I use um, to, and I really think that people that do what we do tend to have a lot of empathy. We yeah. tend to think that way anyway and try to put ourselves in other people's shoes. Yeah. So I try to teach other people that. Not that they don't have the capacity, but they might not have been in the position to, to need to do this or uh -huh. understand that's how they need to do it. Gotcha. And that's what's going to help. Gotcha. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, that's how I've gotten there. That's how I do it. And then one of the things that come up, you know, if you're going in towards the expo side, after years of doing this with parents uh -huh. and helping them and, my, and myself, especially in the beginning with my son, finding supports and resources just come up over and over and yeah. over again, even for the school system. Yeah. time you're doing anything anywhere, um, businesses, like somewhere you work and you need supports, it's always about where can I get help outside mm -hmm. of where I'm at right now. Uh -huh. So I would talk, I'd realize twofold, people didn't know where to go, even yep. though we had some resources for the things they needed. Yeah. And the resources that were already helping them didn't know of other resources to refer them to. Yeah. So you have both going on. There yeah. was so much disconnect. Right. And the only way that we are gonna help people with disabilities better is that continuity and, and the connection and of us all looking at this as a whole rather than individual, you know? So even though a single person has their individual needs, they're still part of a whole system of That's people right. with disabilities that need this variety of yeah. resources and supports. And the same things for the professionals working in the systems. And oftentimes what I find is uh -huh. people who do what we do, oftentimes it comes from a place of either we are disabled ourselves or we have cared for people who are disabled. Uh -huh. So it's also on a personal level for us too. Right. So it's it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and you're, you're really resonating with me uh, yeah. on this because like, so I look at systems, right? You were talking about the education system. Mm -hmm. Massive. It's K so through important. college. It's huge. Yeah. Our healthcare system. Mm -hmm. The biggest part of our national budget, you know, is, mm -hmm. is that I mean, our healthcare system. Massive. Housing. Massive transportation, mm -hmm. massive employment, ma um, yep. all these, all these issue things. areas for people with disabilities, right? Yep. And to navigate these systems mm -hmm. um, is complex. And to mm -hmm. know what resources exist within mm -hmm. these systems, so complex. And yep. and for me, it just it's so wide and it's so deep. There's so much out there. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've heard uh, what we say about our center, like mm -hmm. you know the disability community. There's many yep. people that do not know who the heck we are. And we keep yep. saying... We're the best kept secret in town. But then I hear other people saying, we're the best kept secret in town. And we're, it's like you're getting messaging now, yep. knowing who people we are. <laughs> and I can see why it's so hard because we live in these very complex, comprehensive systems mm -hmm. that it... That, and you, and that, we view ourselves as individuals, like even we, our systems. Yeah. And we're not. No. We, we overlap. Nothing exists in a vacuum. We need yeah. to be connected. Because when that person comes to you for your resources, yeah. if there's things that you don't do... They have to go outside of your yeah, your system, your right. thing that you do. Yeah. That's that overlap. That's your connection. Right. So if we're all connected, why are we not all communicating with one another and keeping, you know what I mean? It sounds simple, but it's not easy. It, it's not, <laughs> not. And that's, it, this is part yeah. of why the Disability Resource Expo came around. My thinking was that. Yeah creating this thing in our area so so explain maybe what the disability resource <laughs> expo is so we get there like you know we, oh man there's so many awesome resources no one's talking to each other and it's so hard yeah. to navigate so it, 
So this, this is the brainchild. Yes. So what it is is it's housing um, a variety of different resources. Some of these are you know provide services, supports, you know extracurricular. There's some overlap in other areas too because with disability, you know, it, 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 there is overlap in different areas. Yeah. Um, so. It's a one-day event. It's a one-day event. Uh -huh. um, and what happens is we have an area where there's people that are tabling. And these are a bunch of organizations that are sharing information about all their variety of services. Mm -hmm. And it's from some that are government-funded, free resources, grant-funded, uh -huh. to ones that are private institutions. Sure. You know, uh -huh. some take insurance, some don't. I mean, we're talking... Anything you can think of is, is there. So you're inviting all these community-based organizations, mm -hmm. public agencies, and private businesses, yep. all come here underneath yep. one roof to, 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 to showcase what they yep. do, their resources. Yep. Okay. And, the, and the goal is, too, because prior to the event, I have a time period where my hopes is there's a, a period where they're communicating with each other before we have yes. the public come in. Huge. Because yes. that the idea is, it's not just connecting the public; it's also connecting with, each other. with yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah. So, You've broken the silos out. You're yeah. Taking, yeah, it's like yeah. get out, mingle, yeah. talk yeah. to each other, Incubate. find out what we do. Yeah, if, you know, look for like my clients are constantly asking for this one particular thing I don't do. Let me go see who does right? that. Someone does it. Get that information yeah. so you know where to send them. So your clients getting it sooner. They're yeah. finding it. They're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have those, but then there's also screenings and education. So we have a variety of different um, health screenings and some educational. It is each expo is slightly different okay. because we don't always have the same uh -huh. types of you know screenings, education, and people tabling. Mm -hmm. So it really does kind of cycle around. So it's good like just because you've been one, it's not the same next year. And um, you've done how many to this point? This is the fourth one that's coming up. The fourth one, but yeah, we took a break two years, due to COVID, unfortunately. At we least two years two from COVID or three years? We were out for two years. We had okay. one in 2020 right before COVID hit because okay. I mean, it was it was the end of January. All right. But, so this um, is three years. So this is this is the fourth year. So, but you—it's three years since the last one. If well, it's I guess, 2020, yeah, we're right at the third isn't year. that wild? Time yes. is so warpy right now. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh! But <laughs> congratulations! <didn't> <laughs> it makes it more exciting in some yeah. ways. So, so from what I remember, um, you know, the I remember I think the first year you did it. Where did you do it? It wasn't at Trinity. We had it at Celebration United Methodist, which is yeah. you know sister church to Trinity. Yeah. And um, the reason, and Melissa, the Reverend, she's just amazing. Yeah. Um, her church itself, one of the reasons I approached, because I I had this idea and I approached her and I approached. Um, a friend of mine that was going into school for social work, so had this mindset too uh, about doing this event. And Melissa got right on board. Well, yeah, let's do this because she was already working towards things to make inclusive, but also to help the disability community. Like they do respite nights and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. They have a playground they've been building that's inclusive. I mean, lots of things. Uh -huh. But it's much smaller than Trinity. That very first expo we did, we were already too big. For that event <laughs> really we had, i remember I, it being a big hit it, the first yeah, year i remember the first yeah, year it was, it was huge, massive and, and the other years were pretty big too well like, that one seemed larger yeah. but we actually had double people come the next year yeah. and then, then again yeah. that many for the, the third i think in the third we had over 1500 people attend wildly successful yeah wildly so it successful. went from 500 up to 1500 within three years wow. and um but we could not the amount of things we needed to get in there we couldn't fit so unfortunately and she understood yeah we had to find somewhere else to to house it so, yeah. and um trinity is amazing just like yeah um celebration yeah. and they offer so their space right. and their hearts they volunteer they yeah. help out 
Um, they do everything they can to be inclusive in the community too. Um, they also have an inclusive playground there, so it's awesome. great. Kids can visit it when great they're there. Great partner. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, they've just been wonderful. But on top of that, we do these screenings. We have free vision screenings for children from one to six years of age. Awesome. And they're actually looking for particular things that are not picked up by the pediatrician at early stages. Okay. It was actually my son, my son was actually going blind until until we saw this doctor. What? Wow. Yes, and apparently it's a pretty common, more common than you realize um, issue, and it's often not picked up by the optometrist either. So your pediatrician has to catch it and know to send you, no which kidding. really doesn't happen. Huh. So I'm I'm to the point now. I'm gonna tell everybody get your kids screened by an ophthalmologist before they're five. Makes sense. Yeah. Those brain yeah. pathways set. Yeah. Sure. So. Things that you can possibly fix are no longer fixable debate, without surgery. Yeah. Okay. So she's going to be screening, free screenings, looking for this. All right. So it's very important if you're there and you have a child one to six to do that. Okay. Um, we have reading screenings done by the UF Reading Program, looking you know for any type of reading disabilities. Uh -huh. um, hearing screenings. These are for uh, any age. All right. Any age at all done by Sertoma. And so, wow. they, so they look for any possible anything going on with hearing that you could be referred out. But also they, um, I think if I remember correctly, they have these devices, like certain things you can have with your phone so you can hear better and things. So there's like other parts of it. Um, and then cool. we have health screenings this year for the first time. Oh. Yeah. So they're doing blood pressure and um, they're doing, what else was it? Uh, glucose. And, I, and they're going to do awesome. glucose for children too, which That's is really awesome. amazing because... Yeah. Type one diabetes goes undetected undetected till you're so sick you're in the hospital. Wow. Another personal experience there with it, with my niece. Wow. So it's very important to get those screenings done. Uh -huh. um, they're offering vaccinations for both COVID and flu. Awesome. Uh, they are there's a variety of things uh, testing for HIV. Um, wow. All these different things that they're doing, and they also help with health resources. So if you want to sit down and talk to them. They can help connect you with different health resources. Wow. So that's all free, too. You're breaking down so many barriers. <laughs> now, knowledge is one of those barriers. Like, I don't even know what's out there. Yeah. And then, like, access. And you're putting it all under one mm -hmm. roof. There's the services, too, mm -hmm. you know. So you can utilize it. Not just have access to the where to go and when to go yeah. and, you know, make a, make an appointment. No. Here. Go, mm -hmm. go, go get tested now. You know, yeah. go get into set. You know, a physical now. Like, wow. And education too. There is this one. We right. do different types of workshops each year, but this one we have Dr. Uh, Bowie. She has been with the um, ESE department with Lori the Lynn? district. Yeah. She's the president of our board. Oh well, she is going to be an IEP <laughs> advocate at the event. Oh she my is gosh. Be hosting, Lori Lynn Bowie. Yeah, Dr. Be, Lori Lynn Bowie. Yeah, she's yeah. going to be doing um, oh, a presentation hilarious. on IEPs and 500. Basically, what I do, she's going to be doing that. She has way more many years experience than she's I She's amazing. And yeah. she's going to be doing a Q&A. So people could ask her questions during this event about IEPs and 504s. Awesome. And that is right. like gold. People need to ask questions. It's, it's, it's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have that going on in the education building there. And, um, and that's throughout the event. And we're just trying to do this. And obviously, during all this, we try to make this as accessible uh -huh. and as inclusive as we possibly can be in a large event you know, uh, yeah inviting the community to people with disabilities oh yeah, yeah. you gotta so have all we're kinds. doing as much as we yeah. possibly can i will have to i say that it's it's pretty accessible we're, we're going to have um spanish interpreters uh -huh. available that are volunteering too so we have that available to the community that might need that right. and i'm working on asl okay so um there's there's a lot we also have a food truck 
food. If you're hungry, now the food part's awesome. not free. Yeah, 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 yeah. You <laughs> can only do so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's usually where the line gets drawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's through Soul Spice. It uh, sounds amazing. I've heard great things. All right. So. Awesome. So awesome. you don't have to go hungry while you're at the event. And then you have some fun activities too. Yeah, for the kids. Thing. I remember. We, yeah. um, we have the fire truck that's going to be there. Uh huh. We have Balance 180s, one of the resources that come out. You know, they have the oh, yeah. extracurricular sports, awesome. but they do um, yeah. an obstacle course and have yeah. things to play with the kids. We have kids' tables. I also ask everybody who comes in tables to have handouts for the kids because I can tell you as a parent, if it's something I got to bring my kid to, if they're yeah, not entertained, right. I'm not getting anything Yeah, back. you're not focused. Yeah. So I hear from parents that their kids have fun. I've had parents say something like they can't get them to leave. So to yeah, me, that uh, means it, we've it, done a good job. It's been a very, yeah, the times I've <laughs> been, it's very circus. Outside, yeah. There's playgrounds. I mean, we try yeah. to try to do things yeah. that make kids want to stay long enough that you can get the information Absolutely. That you need. I think you do a really good job at that because that's why I even asked. I was like, I remember good and yeah. well. There was a lot of engagement with There's kids There's a therapy fun. puppy, so you can sit down and hug a puppy and read him a story. Oh, who doesn't you know? want that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a disability resource fair. Mm -hmm. It's going to be February 4th, yep. right? From 2002. 11 to 3. 22, 23. Yeah. Um, 11 to 3. Uh-huh. Okay. Unless you're a community-based organization or agency, you're getting there earlier to set up and They'll network. They'll get their instructions. <laughs> yep, they have to start arriving at yeah. nine. <laughs> so we got that. So we, it's like a multifaceted event. So we got you know community-based organizations, private agencies, private public, all coming there, showing them their amazing resources that they have. You know, so you can go around. You know, getting and it's from all kinds infant through adults. That's the other important adults. thing. Yeah. All right. it, we have resources for adults, uh -huh. teenagers, transitions, all of it. Just uh, everything under the sun that you everything. can get uh, under there. Mm -hmm. Then you have um, all kinds of screenings that mm -hmm. people can do from vision to hearing to physical mm -hmm. you know, assessments, education assessments. Yep. Then you have an opportunity to learn from keynote speaker, you know, Dr. Bowie. Mm -hmm. That's going to be there. You have all kinds of engaging, fun activities uh, for people. Mm -hmm. And then you got this hipster food truck, you know, that's going to be there uh, <laughs> as well. This is amazing. What I love about this, Cheryl, mm -hmm. is like th this, I know it takes a team, you mm -hmm. know, of people. So it's you and this team of people mm -hmm. that it's so there organic. Is, like, five of us. Yeah, this is so grassroots. It's absolutely volunteer. We're all parents in the community. Uh, some of us have full-time jobs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that says so much yeah. about the, the, the success. I think a good reason for your, the success that you have is like, this is so organic, so mm -hmm. grassroots coming from people that are needing these resources. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the beauty of the, the disability resource fair beyond even like, you know, what you're actually doing in practical terms, right. but the spirit of it is coming from the, the like, you're the not waiting. Itself. Yeah. <laughs> So community driven. Yeah. And uh, I've got some amazing people who help that I just, I could not do it without them. Just thoroughly amazing. Um, and they're, and they're very disability inclusive, accessible minded. And that's yeah. what's really important, you know, when you're doing something like this, like that's always at the forefront of our mind. We need to do this. How do we make this happen and accessible, right. you know? Tell me, because like given that the success, you know, the impetus of, of this disability resource fair coming into fruition, 
is organic, it's grassroots, and, it, and it's you and this amazing group of people that have come together. Like, how does that happen? It's like if other people <laughs> that are listening to this, yeah. Like, how does <laughs> how does a group of people come together of with this and, and make it happen? Passion. I yeah. will tell you, a big part of it is is you know I have um, the means. First of all, I mean, okay. I'm I'm at home. I don't have to work if I don't want to work. So that uh-huh. that makes a difference. Okay. So you know, not everybody has that sure. time. Um, so I'm able to put a lot of time and effort into mm-hmm. this, um, and then drawing on people who already does things in the computer community or people who benefit from this type of thing. They uh-huh. understand the need behind it, and yeah. it's very easy to say, "Hey, I need help with this," because they understand. They're the living need. it probably. Yeah, right? and yeah. Um, getting those people on board. I will tell you though, and this is a common thing in our disability community, a lot of people do have to come together and make things happen and it yeah. doesn't last because we don't have the support. Yeah. Like our event, even though I've got these organizers who help me make it happen, the event itself also takes tons of volunteers. So yeah. I get volunteers, we usually end up about 100 volunteers for the event to make it happen. Sure, sure. So again, I, we couldn't do it without them because yeah. there's so many different parts and aspects of this that you have to take care of and task during it. Yeah. You need people there because yeah. I can't be in, and my organizer sure. can't be in no, other places can't. Yeah, yeah. But there's this thing in the disability community called burnout. So, okay. you know, you, you can only keep something like this alone because, I mean, when you think about it, I'm spending 10-hour days right now in planning stages. So uh-huh. I'm taking for my family. Yeah. So disability community, we talk about this organic grassroots that happen. Where do we go from here to make sure it keeps happening? Sustainability. Yes. Yeah. And that's and that's very, very important because is. this is something you stay. So yeah. now we're looking at how can, like this year, um, the Children's Trust stepped in and gave us some funding to help, which was huge because we've been doing this event based on just what the tablers pay. Yeah. I've been planning this event every year on about $1,200. Holy smokes. Yeah. Really good with money, obviously. Shoe strength. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they came in and they've supported us. So we've been able to add more to this, which is tremendous. Um, Thank you, Children's Trust. Yes, yeah. very much so. Um, and then, you know, Trinity offering us their space for free. We could, yeah. I can't, you know, find a space with $1,200 and run this. Yeah. So all these other places in the community that step up and help. Where it needs to go from here is I feel a nonprofit either absorbing us uh-huh. or we keep running it through it uh-huh. to make this more feasible or becoming a nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, it could be its own thing. Yeah. yeah. So those are the avenues of looking All at right. to make sure this continues right. and bringing in more people. So if we, if we spread it out, it's, it's less work. Yeah. And I love where you're at. Like, it's it's almost got to be something that, um, you know, not one person, if one person steps away, it doesn't all fall apart. Correct. You know, and, and, and I, and I just love how you, you really unpack this. Like it starts with, you know, yourself and this, uh, you know, extremely special group of, of people, like you said, like 35 out from the event. We started eight months out. And then, and then like, you know, having that union of, of also then churches, faith-based organizations, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like a children's trust, which is kind of like other a, sponsors for media, uh, like sponsors. Irving Publications, which is Giggle Magazine. They help me with logos right? and graphics and flyers, and like we have all these different people who come in. It just shows the power of union to yep. me. Unity through disability It's yep. like a thing that we really try and pull here as a, one of the threads on this podcast is like mm-hmm. how much stronger we really are together. Mm-hmm. And and like living in an age where mm-hmm. like a lot of division and tribalism and, and like yep. everybody getting into their camps and like you were saying earlier, 
it's us and them and mm-hmm. you or me. And it's just like, no, you know, like disability can be this like wonderful space where we can all come together, united. Disability doesn't care about what age you are, what male, female, Correct. religion, non-religion, political affiliation, age, Not race. You know, it's just like it cuts across everything. So what a great opportunity for mm-hmm. people to become united. And 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 you, what an example you are, and all the oh, people that you know well, really you. come together, <laughs> like in the, like union. That to me is like so important, it and is. it does take a village, a community, to do these very very and special. And it's very things. hard sometimes for people to ask for help, and and uh-huh. sometimes it's because we don't know what to ask. Right. We don't know what we need. So right. just trying to get those things out there and letting people know what's available or how they can be helped, because it's oftentimes they're like. I don't even know what it is that we need, but I know we need something. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. You can't really name it yet to <laughs> yeah, call it into existence. Yeah, especially if you're not getting proper diagnosis, which is a, is a huge thing in the huge. disability community. Oh, my gosh, I hear and that all the time. It can take people yeah. a long time. Right, even like you were saying on your own yeah. journey. So I imagine, too, like you have this really special event, multifaceted. People come there, mm-hmm. but it's not like one and done and it's over. I imagine like what happens there ends up being like, okay, I made a connection. Yep. I may, you know, I'm now going to go maybe access and utilize some services or mm-hmm. I connected with somebody and I'm mm-hmm. going to develop a relationship with them. Yep. I mean, now I've got a partner network, even like the agencies mm-hmm. coming there and networking with each other. I'd imagine it's not just happening in a vacuum, but like mm-hmm. the impact of the disability resource fair There's definitely a is going to happen. Like yeah. outside of the disability Sometimes resource it even fair. forms ideas for people. Like yeah. they'll come together and like, why aren't we making this happen? Or, you know. Cause, right. Because even though I look for a variety of resources, sometimes there's things I can't find. Yeah. And we do have, you know, most of our resources are local, but some we have are not local. But they're because I could not find that resource here, but they will serve the the people in our community. So even uh-huh. if it's through Mel or, you know, whatever the case may be. Okay. Because you can't get that resource in our area. So it's it's that. So maybe sometimes people will see that at this event and realize I can make that resource a thing here, you know. Yeah, and like if local. we don't have it, let's build it. Yeah. So, I mean, those are things yeah. that can come from this too. But like I said, those connections, that continuity and care yeah. is so important for people with disabilities. And that's not going to happen if we are not all connected together in some form and having conversations and uh-huh. You know, those things need to happen. That, that ability to, to, to get there, to relate, to connect, and then to continue mm-hmm. on afterwards. I think so, like if the very exciting part of this is like, where does this take us? Mm-hmm. You know, where, where does that take us as a community and uh, sustainability? I love mm-hmm. how you're thinking about that yeah. as, as something there. So this is amazing. W- one of the things I'm always fascinated about with people such as yourself, Cheryl, mm-hmm. is like, what inspires you? Like, like, what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? What is your purpose? Like, mm-hmm. because I find that, you know, if I can kind of tap into that juice that people like yourself have, mm-hmm. that'll help me go out into the world and do better things and how to help serve right. other people as well. So why do you do what you do? Like, what, <laughs> what is your why? Well, there's, there's kind of philosophies that I take. I can't always do for myself and change the things that I need. I can't always um, fix the situation I'm in or how I'm feeling but I can for someone else and someone else might be able to for me. Uh So this idea that when, you know, I I try to have this set thing in my mind on, you know, with disability, I don't, not every day is a great day for me, but on those days, what can I do for somebody else today? And my belief is is if, if everybody has that idea in their head of what can I do for somebody else today, then we're all taking care of one another. 
So wow. those things I can't do for myself, somebody else might be able to. And then, you know, it's, it's, wow. we're, we're there for each other. Like, again, all connected. And I really feel like if we wake up each morning thinking that, and everybody truly has this idea, and I'm not saying you put yourself out there, you, you're doing for others where you're harming yourself. You, you've got to protect yourself. But this idea of what can I do in my community, and, and people think, oh, I can only give so much. It doesn't have to be money. It doesn't mean that sometimes it's literally just taking the time to listen to somebody else talk. Be present with somebody. You know, yeah. it, there's a variety of things you can do. And if we're yeah. all doing this, imagine how amazing it would be. You'd want wow. to leave your house every day and talk to people. Because how can I serve? Yeah. I love your question that we <laughs> yeah. can all ask. What would the world look like if all of us were like Cheryl Russell and I woke up with the day starting, <laughs> don't all be exactly starting the, the question. Okay. Yeah. We don't want to be carbon copies, but like <laughs> no. if we all at least ask the question, <laughs> how, how can I serve? Yeah. You know, what would our world look like yeah. if we all, you know, asked, started our day out with like, how can I serve instead of like, what can the world give me? Me, me, yes. me, me. Like, yeah. how can I serve? Yeah. And then, then I think like, I don't know about you, but like perhaps when we serve, we also get some in return. That's my you know? point. Yeah. yeah. If, if everybody's serving, everyone is being served. Because someone else is going to mm -hmm. be helping so us. So those things that you can't do for yourself, somebody else might be doing it's for full you. full circle. And it's just, exactly. Yeah. It's full circle. You don't have to be on your own. And unfortunately, that's how it is for a lot of people right now because so many are stuck in these, I can't do you know, sure. anything. And Fixed some people mindset. think because yeah. I can't do it for myself, I can't do it for others. And it is hard when you're in a place where just everything is just on top of you. And we all have times in our life. Like Absolutely. Like yeah. Some more than others, some worse than others. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to make yourself be there for someone else. But it's like it's, sometimes that's what kind of pulls you out of it, you know, and right? doing that and yeah. putting yourself out there and um, yeah. making those connections. Uh, yeah. So it's 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 a tough thing. But if we're all taking our time and our turns doing this, we're, you know, everybody's got that help they need. Yeah, I love what you're saying. Like, if we're able to be in a place where we can serve others, even though mm -hmm. if we're in a hard place, it can maybe take us out of our own situation mm -hmm. and see and appreciate, you know, the, you know, the ability to help somebody else. Yep. And then in return, maybe we've forgotten about where we're at or it's given us enough respite from that time. Yep of having to do that. We all have meaning. We all have something to offer. <laughs> and that's what, <laughs> everyone's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Having significance. And so along the way of, of all this service that you've done and that you've given, what have you learned about yourself and or any virtues or values that you hold near and dear to your heart? Mm, I, that's always, it's always hard to talk about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel, I always humility. Like I was, okay. So humility. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. All right. Okay. <laughs> it's it a very big virtue. Um, yeah. but it's, I'm definitely more patient of a person than I realized. Uh -huh. Um, I always thought that I was pretty impatient. I think parenting makes you think that, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. I'm actually a pretty patient person. Uh -huh. Um, I definitely feel, you know, cause like I said, we all have our times when I feel like I don't have much to give. I have so much more that I can offer people than I, yeah. you know, I realize sometimes, yeah. you know, um, not just offer people, but like offer the world as a whole. Right. Um, there, there is, you know, you, we think of ourselves as these small little ends, but we're really huge. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as an individual, there are particular things about me that make me different, that make certain things I might be good at that I can help somebody else with. Right. How to tap in what I'm capable of doing and using that. Those are things I've learned. Like what parts of me are things that I can do that somebody else might need uh -huh. instead of focusing on the things that I can't do. Oh, I love that. You know, and um, because, I mean, there's always going to be things that are challenging and hard for you, but that doesn't mean that you're not, that you don't have anything to offer. Right. You know. I love that. So, 
those are things I've definitely learned um, about myself. And uh, yeah. Well, patience is a big one. I've been told I'm a good listener. I feel like I talk more than I listen. <laughs> <laughs> so communicator. You've definitely, like I've mentioned, how you've gotten really good with communication. Yeah, yeah. You know, definitely, definitely have gotten better yeah. about that for sure. Um, huge, like light years away from where I used to be with it. Um, yeah. I still fall into patterns um, where I feel like I'm not communicating properly, but I keep getting told that I'm a good communicator. So I think that it's that thing where you're harder on yourself than people are. Oh, definitely. We're our own biggest critics, sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I'll connect, you know, with with what you're saying about patience, too, Mm -hmm. with what you were saying earlier about peace, Mm -hmm. you know, and having clarity and that, like, can give, like, some of those kind of things to to, to each other, you know, and stuff like that. And so we'll, we'll start rounding the conversation out here a little bit. But, you know, one of the last question or two I have for you is like, you know, one of the, the purposes of this podcast is to help shine a light into the world of disability and the mm-hmm. lens, especially maybe people that don't have that perspective or, you know, have similar life experiences to you that mm-hmm. may have a disability. Um, what would you want people to know uh, about disability who might not be, you know, have the experiences that you have or the knowledge or, or wisdom that you have about disability? There's one aspect of it. There's all these different conversations I have with people because the different things I do put me in in different situations, I guess you could say, of how to look at disability. Uh-huh. I think that a big one is the way that disability is portrayed by those that aren't disabled uh-huh. can sometimes skew the way people think about disability. Gotcha. Disability, disability is a broad term. I mean, like there's sure. so many disabilities yeah. or so many aspects of what different people need. But the point is, is that we are still people. Our needs are human needs. They're not special needs. They're human needs. We are <laughs> human beings. Any need that we need is a human need. Right. They just might be different from yours. Yeah. And how those needs are met are almost always different than somebody who isn't disabled, you know, how, how we get there. Yeah. So it's this idea of accommodating uh-huh. and, and how we view people with disabilities and, and their value. We right. all have value. Yeah. So Absolutely. It's just, it's an interesting because there's just so yeah. much to it. It's a hard thing to kind of like narrow it down. Yeah, give me your <laughs> elevator speech. Yeah, no. <laughs> but that's, that's the big thing is, is, is how people, for me, the big one is how people talk about disabilities and how they view them. Right. Like, I think one of the things I have told you before is, um, you know, I didn't have the diagnosis of being autistic when uh-huh. I was younger and it came when I was older. And I work in this world of disability where I help support people. And there are some people I've known for a long time, and I talk to them, and now they find out that I'm autistic, and they start treating me differently. Huh. They may not see it. They may not know it, but it's happening. It's Maybe there. Yeah. And that, for me, has to do with what they've learned about being autistic and autism in, in the world itself, right. how they view it, their experiences of what they've seen on TV right, or right. told by somebody else or, yeah. you know, way we see those things affects how we treat people with disabilities. Yeah, I agree. How we serve people with disabilities, how we accommodate them. Yeah. You know, so my thing is start really talking to people with disabilities about that and opening up your mind more to the world of disability. Yeah. Um, it is something that is just part of human nature. Yeah. Um, you know, we're <laughs> oh, totally. and like I said, they're not special needs. They're, they're, they're human needs, yeah. and and that if you look at it that way itself, I think really helps you understand how you can be there for that person. I love it, and and that's where the empathy 
kicks mm-hmm. in. And yeah, I mean, like disability uh, is, again, something that should bring us all together. It is a part of what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. We're all going to experience it on yep. some level. Uh, Absolutely. Whether it's ourselves often. personally or somebody we're we personally love. close yeah, to. Sure, yeah, sure. Sure. It touches all of us. So mm-hmm. it is a shared part of the human condition. And I love what you're saying about people's attitudes and beliefs. I really think that is like step one in access and inclusion. You know, instead of thinking like, oh, do they have a, you know, wheelchair ramp, important question. Do they have a sign language interpreter, Mm -hmm. important question. You know, access. Or how can we change the person with disabilities so that they can, Oh yeah, how can we fix them, right? That, that's a huge win. Like, yeah. okay, well, we just need to make you more like people who aren't disabled. Yeah, and ableism. that's a lot of disabilities yeah. that are looked at like that. And it's like, that's not how that works. It's not you're how it you're works. putting the onus, you, you, yeah. that exhaustion thing I was talking about before. Oh yeah. yeah. Some things they can't do, but you're making them feel as though they're less than. They're not okay as the person that they are. You're not accepting them. Yeah. It, it causes more trauma. Sure. And in the end, they're not likely to be able to do what it is that you want them to do. You get burnout, you get meltdown, you get, they give up. It's like, instead, how can we help you be the person you are? Like, what can we do? (laughs) You know what I mean? Shift the paradigm. Yeah. I think that's where access begins right there. Like you're nailing it. So yeah, I I just want to acknowledge you for the, just being a very open book, despite describing yourself <laughs> as somebody who for a while was living yeah. an inauthentic life, I find you to yeah. be very authentic, yeah, very so. animated, um, <laughs> and, and, and have a big heart. Um, the idea that you pose to us that we should all start our day asking, how can I serve? Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful. The, the amount of uh, union that you've helped to create from a very organic very genuine uh, space and place and, and have brought our community together and continue right. to be doing that, I think is uh, a, a very high, you know, uh, I just really, really appreciate you and, and very, you. you know, inspired by you and I have a lot to learn from you. And, and it's just like, so <laughs> I'm sure I can learn from you too. Yeah. Your well, experiences. Yeah, it's just, you know, so, so thank you. Thank yeah. you for being like a, just an amazing person that's bringing worlds together and you're, yeah. You know, impact is is probably far reaching and beyond even what you uh, can even you know begin to understand. Thank you for being such a strong advocate in a in a community. You know, and it, something I'm not good at is taking compliments. Yeah, again, I'll it goes back to humility. Humility yeah. is like most humble people. You know, other yeah. other people might <laughs> it goes the other direction. But but thank you so much yeah. for for taking the time to connect. I hope we can do this uh, again. Uh, but you know, in between podcasts, I look forward to collaborating with you and to help bring more union to our community, offering more and better resources and, and to be of service. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you for your time too. Yeah. Thank you. Here. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, onward <laughs> and upward. Yes. Take care, Cheryl. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Independent Life Podcast brought to you by the Center for Independent Living of North Central Florida. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you know anyone who might benefit from listening, share this podcast and invite them to subscribe too. For questions, suggestions, or if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at cilncf.org at gmail.com or call us at 352-378-7474. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, support, advocate, and empower each other to live the independent life.